So we're in the middle of a bit of a series, uh, and what we're, what we're talking about uh, kind of breaks down to relationship with God, relationship with Jesus. The first week we talked about what is the Trinity, and we won't rehash that because we talked about it for a couple of weeks. Yes, last week we talked about who is the Trinity, and we went to each person of the Trinity, and we shared what parts or what roles they play in our life. And we ended with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And today, I want to talk briefly about the Holy Spirit. Now, there's so, so much to talk about the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting uh, that there is so much to talk about it, but it doesn't seem to be talked about that much. Thank you very much. It doesn't seem to be talked about that much. And a few weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I had the honor of going to the movies with uh, Miss Joanne Casper and her son, George, and we went and watched Elvis. Have you guys seen the Elvis movie yet? Twice. Twice. <laughs> Amen. It's so good, you had to have it twice. It was a good movie. Um, and it was a good story. It was a good telling. A lot of people know Elvis, but they don't know a lot about Colonel Parker. Now, Thomas Parker was Elvis's manager, and he saw some things in Elvis that brought Elvis to, uh, to the stage lights, to the limelight. And you hear about Elvis because he's gifted and he's talented and he, does all, he did all of these really amazing things, but you never really heard about Colonel Parker. The world of music did, but us, we don't know much about Colonel. That movie helped us understand who he was. It turned out he wasn't, he wasn't a great guy. To get it. Tom Hanks did a good job. I know you're watching, Tom. Good job. So when I, I think of people, we think of people that we see and people that are doing things and people that we might look up to, but we don't necessarily spend time thinking about what's behind us. Uh, or what's behind them. So many times we will see things in our life and we'll attribute it to Jesus or to God or the Father, which is a right attribution because, because that's who God is. But we know through Scripture that God the Father has created the world that we live in and his job for the most part as the Father is done and he's in heaven. And we know that Jesus, he came for us to walk with us, to teach us. And his job, for the most part, is done, and he's in heaven. But the Holy Spirit that came after Jesus, the Holy Spirit is who is active in our lives in every second of every minute of every hour in our life. We commonly refer to the Holy Spirit as Jesus. Jesus is okay with that. But I need you to understand today that Jesus is in heaven. Jesus' job is done. He's waiting for us. He's prepared a mansion for us in heaven. So now comes the Holy Spirit. And I want to spend just a few minutes this morning talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start in John 14, 16. 
It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Amen, indeed. The Holy Spirit, though not discussed enough, is the most instrumental person in our lives right now. Now, notice I said person, and this is exactly where we should start. By now, you're starting to kind of get an idea of the theme of what we're discussing and its relationship. But we need to start with the personhood of the Holy Spirit first. John 16, 13, and 14 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will let you know what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Something important to notice here. Scripture is referring to the Holy Spirit as a he. Which makes sense because only men get everything right. She said, excuse me. I figured I couldn't talk about Ford anymore, so. <laughs> the Bible provides, I'm teasing. Anyway, if there's anybody in the back shaking their head, I'm just picking. I, I can do good only because my wife lets me. The Bible provides many ways to help us understand that the Holy Spirit is truly a person, that he is a personal being rather than an impersonal object. Okay? Notice Every pronoun used in reference to the Spirit is a he and not an it. There's a reason for that. Isaiah 63.10 says, Yet they rebelled and they grieved the Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Notice that the Holy Spirit can be sinned against. Okay? The Holy Spirit can also be lied to. Look at Acts 5.3. It says, Then Peter said, uh, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? We can lie to the Holy Spirit. Now I want to live in this for a second so we understand how important this is. This table in front of us is doing a wonderful job. It's holding the communion items that we'll take here in just a few minutes. But this table is an object. This table is not a person. I can't sin against that table. I can't lie to that table. I can't disrespect that table. But we can do this to the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? It's important because we have to realize that the, that the Holy Spirit that comes on to us is not just a feeling or it's not just an object, okay? It's something that has life, that has personality. Something, it's not something that comes and goes. Understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow closer together in the realization of God's desire of relationship with us. <clears throat> could God build something and give it to us as a gift and we use that tool to do better things? Of course, but God is not in the business 
of impersonal things. He's in the business of relationship. So the gift of the Holy Spirit, remember as we move forward, the Holy Spirit is a person. It is, He is a person. Now I want to cover briefly the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now there are more, but I picked out six And I want to encourage you to grab the notes today, if you so desire, in case there's some things that we have to skim over. But I want to start with the Holy Spirit is a helper who teaches and reminds. If you would go to John chapter 14 and verse 26. Verse 26, I think we read this last week. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. We talked about this last week. Jesus' time was finished on the earth. His time was done. He was with us for 33 years. He gave us 33 years to get our acts together. He did what he did. He left. He's in heaven. Jesus is not away from us, but Jesus is in heaven. His job is done. He sent the Father then, sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit come to, comes to give us counsel, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding. If Jesus laid out the road, then the Holy Spirit is helping us stay on the road. The Holy Spirit exists to remind us of Christ's love. The next thing, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. John 16, 7 and 8, it says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8 reads, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. In addition to wise counsel, The Holy Spirit also has and equips us with discernment. He brings truth to life. And he does that in a couple of ways. The biggest way that he does it is in our hearts. And we see that when we we do things in a certain manner that may not be pleasing to God. What we think is our our conscience fills us and goes, ah, should we do that? Well, this isn't right. Even if you haven't read the scripture that advises you against something, and even if you haven't been trained to understand that this is, uh, this is not in alignment with God, you have that feeling, that, that, that pull in your heart that something is not quite in alignment with the word of God. He also gives us discernment on other people's lives, people that we engage with. Have you ever met someone and they just kind of, something they say just kind of makes you feel a little different? Makes you feel, "Ah, I don't know about this guy. I'm sure there's some of you that think that. I'm kidding. About me. No. That that is one of the gifts of the Spirit. (laughs) You're laughing too much. Be quiet in the first row. (laughs) and the second the Holy Spirit is our protector he shows us things that we can't see with our own eye 
Number three, the Holy Spirit dwells in believers and fills them. He lives within us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Now, this is something that people look over a lot, and this is something that I need to make a commitment to work on. But, but, but the Holy Spirit is not a passerby. He's not sweeping in to help us when we need it. The Holy Spirit is, is a person that lives within us, which is really comforting. But Sharon, you're going to be hosting the, uh, the ladies, uh, ladies' Bible study. And I have a feeling that the day before the Bible study, you're going to go through your house and you're going to make sure it's spick and span. And you're going to clean that thing like it's never been cleaned. And I know it's true because my wife does the same thing. And I do the same thing when we have a guest over. We make sure our home is clean. Now it is an encouragement that the Holy Spirit lives within us, but it's also a reminder that we are to keep our temples pure. We are to build up our temples. Now, I need to practice what I'm preaching. There's things, in my, there's things in my life that I need to work on with my health. And it's not just so I can live longer to see my grandkids and see their grandkids, but it's because I want to take care of the house that God is residing in. You hear people say all the time, well, you shouldn't smoke because it's, you know, it, the Bible says you don't smoke or you shouldn't drink. I think we should care more about what we're doing to our temple than anything else. I don't drink because I know what it does to me. I don't smoke because, well, there's a lot of reasons I don't smoke. My mom was a smoker, and I could smell it four miles away. But I don't do those things. I choose not to do those things, not because I'm acting out of obedience, but because I want to practice to keep my temple clean. Now, something I have to work on, I have to live a more healthy lifestyle, and Bill has got to bring me more green things to eat. That's an inside joke, but it's, and, and it's rooted in seriousness. God lives within us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. What are we doing to keep our temple clean? Amen? Okay. The Holy Spirit is the source of revelation, wisdom, and power. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows it, who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. So now we're getting into something that we could spend a lot of time on, and it's actually a lesson for another day, but we're diving more into the gifts of the Spirit. Now, each one of us, we all here, I know, want to strive to have a relationship with God and to strive to understand God. That's why we get in His Word. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why our ladies are getting together. That's why we're celebrating a baptism together. That's why we do picnics for relationship and to understand God better. But some things, many things, it turns out, our mind can't comprehend the depth and the wonder and the majesty of God. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us, because the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. 
And it serves as a conduit, a conduit or a helper for us to begin to understand God's love on a deeper level. To understand God's love on a level much deeper than if we were to try to learn about it. He plants that knowledge and wisdom in our heart and it grows to our minds. And we understand God more not only because of his word but because of the Holy Spirit who is within us. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation. Gives us revelation. He also knew of the trials and tribulations that, uh, that we would face, so he gave us a certain power or gifts. And there are many, and we won't cover many of these gifts today. That's, that is a whole series in itself, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what I will share, because coming from Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a lesson for another time, but it's important that we understand that there are gifts, certain gifts that we get from the Holy Spirit. And we also need to understand at the level in which we get those gifts. And we also need to understand that we have the right to lay claim to those gifts. Message for another time, but the importance rests here today. Now these last two items that I want to share are extremely pivotal. And I couldn't, if, if you hear nothing else today, if you hear nothing else, please hear this. The Holy Spirit is a seal in the lives of believers. Ephesians 1.13, it says, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised, uh, the promised Holy Spirit. Now we know in the old world or the early times, a seal was used, it was a legal, legal marking declaring ownership. How many of you know that after you accepted the Holy Spirit, after you accepted Jesus into your life, you, you were marked and we are now part of the beloved family of Jesus Christ? That seal is on our life and it is an unbreakable, unbreakable seal. We are children of God. We are God's. We are God's adopted children. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a seal on our life. Now with that is something that's very difficult for anybody to share. This seal is not given freely. We cannot receive that seal without accepting by faith that Jesus died and he rose again for us, for our sins. We have to accept by faith and invite the Holy Spirit into our lives for us to receive that seal. Ultimately, for us to make it to heaven. Now this is going to be hard for some people to receive we have lost people in our lives. We have lost believers, and they're gone before us, and they're waiting for us. But we can't just assume that we're going to see them again without having the faith of Jesus Christ. 
There are many people in this world that have lost believers, that have lost people in their life, and they're going to be with the Lord. But I'm sorry to say that their spouse or their brother or their sister won't be joining them. Jesus is something that you, someone that you have to accept. And you can do this on faith. You don't have to know exactly who Jesus is to say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I have faith that you died for me. You have to get that seal on your life. Now, we know God is a loving God. Okay? We know that. God is not sitting on his throne room and saying, well, because you didn't accept Jesus, I'm kicking you out. No. Look at it another way. Jesus has left, and he's built a place for us in heaven. We have a mansion for us. He's built it. It's made. It's done. He's paid the bills. Electricity's paid for the next seven eternities. But we have to choose to open the door. God's not saying he's going to kick us out. He's saying that we have to choose to open the door. I hope that speaks to someone today. It is a scary thought. The last thing, and as, as Phyllis comes up, because I, I would like to ask for you, Phyllis, to play during our communion. The Holy Spirit makes believers new and gives them eternal life. Now, this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. Romans 8, 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, referring to the Holy Spirit, is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. When I was in ministry back in Louisiana, there was a really incredible place that I went to. It was, it was called Fresh Start. It was a seven-month live-in uh, uh, alcohol and addiction Christian recovery center. And one of the things that I remember the most is the director of this facility would remind everybody that accepts Jesus that, you're, that you are dead now. The old you has died. The man born of sin is no longer, and you are born again as a new creation. Scripture says that we are a new creation. So the stuff that we did before we accepted Jesus into our life, that sin is separated as far as the east is from the west. It's almost like God would say, what sin? You're a new person. You're born through the Holy Spirit as a new person. And when I shared with a friend of mine about us having a baptism, he, he wanted me to make some invitation cards to give out to everyone that's being baptized. And, it would, it, and the invitation card said, I want to invite you to my funeral. And that's a little touchy because I know we've had a lot of loss of life. But when we accept the Holy Spirit into our life, we are dead. And we 
are brought to life as a new creation, as a new person. I want to encourage you to sign up on that sheet if you feel the Holy Spirit telling you that this is something you need to do. If you need the seal of of your life, Lord, come talk to me about it. Celebrate. If you're not planning on being baptized, come celebrate with us because there are a few that are making that decision to change their lives forever. And if you want to say, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm too old or <clears throat> maybe I was baptized as a child but I really hadn't made that decision but I'm too old now, I can tell you right now, and I'm so proud to say this, there's an 80-year-old gentleman sitting in this congregation right now that is so excited about being baptized. God is so good. God is so good. He's not on his throne waiting to push us down. He's standing there waiting to lift us up. But we have to open the door. God's not a bouncer. We have to open the door. We're going to start communion right now. And if uh, we can have a few uh, that that know how to begin to disperse this, we're going to do communion in, in one of two ways. Uh, there were concerns, you know, with, with everyone being sick and all of that. There were concerns of, uh, of germs. I'd, I would like to let you know that, uh, that everyone that's prepared communion today has, um, uh, has done so with gloves on and been extra precautious. But if you want to be extra, extra precautious, we, you can either take the bread and the cups or we have some of these pre-filled that no one's touched. The top tab has a wafer, the bottom pulls off, and there's the juice. And I want to start with the first, hello, the first two rows. If you would, what we will do is we'll come in and we'll grab our communion items. We won't partake yet, and then walk around the outside and come back to your seats. And when the first two rows are done, we'll do the second two, and the third, fourth, fifth, and we'll do that. And if you're unable to get up, just slip your hand up and someone will bring you uh, those communion items. Phyllis is going to play a little bit while we begin communion, and we'll continue after that. As you're forming the lines and as you're coming to grab your communion items, and the third and fourth row can begin to stand up and come this way. I want to encourage you. The reason that we're doing this is to remember what Jesus did for us. If you have an anger in your heart for someone, pray that God takes that away. Don't waste Jesus' time. Don't break bread if you can't follow the things that he needs you to do. And he needs you to let go of that hurt. And he needs you to let go of that pain. What your neighbor did is what your neighbor did. And it's done. And there's another time. And the Lord, the, the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let go of that. If there's anything in your heart, when you partake of communion today, let go of those things that are binding you up. Because I promise you, that's what's happening. You're being bound up. And this other person or this other thing is living rent-free in your head. And we're in Florida. Rent's not cheap. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. Take this time of quiet to reflect on what Jesus did for us. Reflect on what Jesus knew was coming. He sat with his disciples and he knew that he was about to be betrayed, beaten, and put upon that cross. But he broke bread with his friends, with his family. Father, if there's someone here that's fighting with accepting you, that's fighting with us understanding, Lord, let them let them speak to you now. Speak into their hearts. Let them know that you're here. Let them know that you love them no matter what. In Jesus' name, we honor you today. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Those that have gotten your cups, just think about that. Think about that day. Think about the very day that he's being, was being betrayed. He still chose to fellowship and to teach. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's have a few moments of just quiet reflection before we partake together. to see you, Leo. I want to be just like you when I grow up. stay up here with your wife and do commun- have communion with her? Yes. Amen. All right. In 1 Corinthians, <laughs> if you want to set it right there, you can. Thank you, Michael. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23, Jesus is talking with his disciples. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When we remember his body was broken for us, he was beaten and crucified for our sins, and he died to pay a penalty that we could not pay ourselves. Verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have partaken together, we want to give you thanks and we want to take a breath and remember what was done for us. Jesus, when you were there and when you were on that cross, you said, you said, why are you talking to God? Why have you forsaken me? And we know, Lord, that you, Jesus, had the weight of the world's sin on your shoulders. And Scripture tells us that God cannot coexist with sin. You separated from God the being just long enough to take our sins and take them to the grave. And with your resurrection, you gave us eternal life. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do this. Uh, we're going to pick this back up. And, and I'm sorry I haven't done it more often but I want to do this at least once a month and turn this into something that we do more regular because it is very important that we, that we look at these items and we remember what Jesus did. As the praise team comes up, we're going to close with a song, but I want to encourage anyone that's dealing with something right now to come on up, come up to the altar. It's open for you. If you're dealing with that in your life, come on up. Don't wait. And if your heart's there but your nerves aren't, come talk to me this week. All right, if you guys will close this in song.